Pretty much it's kind of taking that data and applying it. So you're, you're going out and looking for neighborhoods that have high turnover. And so I would go to those neighborhoods and pretty much snake through it, knocking the entire neighborhood over a couple weeks time and then move on to the next one. And it's pretty much a form of almost in-person circle prospecting in a sense, where you have this farm, but you personally are going out and knocking the doors on a consistent basis until you've tried to at least hit every single one in. Welcome to the Freedom Chasers podcast, where we bring you interviews and discussions that share the stories, successes, goals, and dreams of real estate agents and real estate investors pursuing a life of purpose and freedom. All right, guys, today we have Cameron Muir, and we're going to have a really fun session because this guy is a door knocker, which is like near and dear to my heart because I'm in phone sales. And so door knocking has got some similarities. This is the owner of the real estate agent school, but he's also still cracking out a lot of transactions in his real estate business. And if you guys don't know, one of the great reasons for door knocking is the high net income. You make a lot of commissions, but you get to keep almost all of it. So just to give you an example, Cameron's a guy who's knocked over 5,000 doors, somewhere between five and 10,000. He did 300K in GCI plus his first year, then 400, then 400, almost 100% net. I mean, so this is a guy who's netted over a million dollars in the last three years by simply just knocking on some doors. So Cameron, thank you so much for giving us your time. Take us into it. What is the craziest real estate experience you face so far? No, I appreciate you having me on. I have had some wild experiences, that's for sure. The most recent one that was a trip was a mobile home park purchase that I was representing a client on where we got into some hot water of financing where we were trying to get financing done. Earnest money was on the line and we're talking six figures worth of earnest money and like lawsuit words are getting thrown back and forth and no real estate agent wants to be in that situation. You want to be closing having a great closing and off to the races but this one was where seller wasn't cooperating it was a huge struggle to really go anywhere in the transaction we had to pull out hard money get the deal done but it was a wild ride with that much on the line that's for sure so a lot of times making this transition to hard money i mean hard money is usually very very expensive how yeah. are you able to make the deal make sense with hard money it was actually the initial negotiation of the deal. We got it hundreds of thousands under asking price initially. And so that was the only reason why the deal still made sense to go through with it. Cause we ran the numbers of, does it actually make sense to just walk away from the, the earnest money and go do a different deal. And luckily the deal still made sense, even going hard money. And so I think just the initial negotiation of making the numbers make sense was kind of what saved us. And that's one of the big things that's different in commercial than residential is a lot of times in commercial, these earnest money deposits are, they go hard really, really early on. Super fast. Yeah. It, and you got to know what you got going on or you're going to be in hot water real quick. Yeah. It's kind of the big boys game as they might say. So, <laughs> but take us in, let's, let's stay as much as we can on the residential for now. Cause I know that's yeah. where a lot of our listeners are. So you it's really important for us to talk about prosperity and coming from consistent hard work. Where yeah. did you develop the mindset and the ability to be so consistent? I mean, 5,000 doors in three years is it's a lot of doors. 
The craziest part is I only knocked for a year and a half of that. I actually haven't had to prospect for the last year and a half. And so I did that within my first year and a half. I was knocking four to six hours every single day, pretty much just straight pounding pavement. And honestly, the true motivation behind what kind of pushed me to get to that point and do that was first out of desperation. Cause I was like, I'm not succeeding and I have people to provide for and people I don't want to let down. And then it turned into this view of opportunity where I saw this can make me a ton of money and provide me with a ton of opportunity. And so I'm going to go all in on it because I saw what type of success can come from it just with hard work and consistency. And then I would say the other aspect of it is just having a really good mindset routine and like people around you to support you while you're going through that type of journey, I guess. So a year and a half, 5,000 doors. I mean, that's like 3000 a year. I mean, if you break that down, yeah. that's like maybe like a hundred, hundred plus doors a day. For sure. I was getting around 250 conversations a week. So I would knock on far more doors than that. I would be having actual conversations with 250 people a week. So essentially your goal was somewhere in the ballpark of 50 conversations every single day. Pretty much. Yeah. Okay. Well, since we're on the topic of mathematics, let's stay on it for a second. So yeah. how many doors did you have to knock a day to get to 50 conversations? Oh, uh, that's a great question because I didn't even keep track of that. I more kept track of how many hours I had been doing it and how many more contacts I had to get before the day was done. Because I knew it didn't matter how many doors I knocked, it knew how many actual conversations I had, but I could have roughly probably 10 to 12 conversations an hour. And so I was probably not getting an answer on half of those. So I was probably knocking a good 100 doors or so, 75 to 100 doors a day. So, Let's talk about the strategy. I'm assuming you're in a fairly populated town to be able to do this yeah. track neighborhood style. How yeah. would you how would you map it out? Like, would you drive to a specific point, knock all the doors in a loop, come back and then drive to the next neighborhood? Yeah, yeah. So pretty much it's kind of taking that data and applying it. So you're you're going out and looking for neighborhoods that have high turnover. And so I would go to those neighborhoods and pretty much snake through it, knocking the entire neighborhood over a couple weeks time and then move on to the next one. And it's pretty much a form of almost in-person circle prospecting in a sense where you have this farm, but you personally are going out and knocking the doors on a consistent basis until you've tried to at least hit every single one and, and talk to every single homeowner. So a lot of people that love to call on the phones will look at your strategy and they'll be like, my goodness, like you're physically having to do this. You're working hard. It's <laughs> slow. It's archaic when you can be on the phones or marketing. What would you say to those people? Yeah. Um, I would say uh, take a phone call and take an in-person conversation and see how natural and how easy it is to build a relationship comparatively. For me... Over the phone, I sounded like a dead person. I couldn't, I couldn't connect with people because I just, I couldn't get that through the phone. And then right when I hit the doors, 
I was able to build this personal relationship with people where I was having so much more success because I was able to have fun with people, see them face to face. And the other aspect is I didn't have to guess if it was the right phone number. I was getting the person that actually lived at that residence. It, there was no guessing game. And so I could just make sure I was talking to valid leads with every single knock I did. So it's really hard for people to do door knocking generally when they think about it, the objections, just like a lot of people struggle early on with cold calls. What yeah. was the scripting that you did that was able to develop so many deep conversations? From a friendly neighbor perspective, honestly, just going to the door and just saying, hey, have you ever thought about selling your house? And then it's just a conversation back and forth about their situation. It's kind of the the model of just building that relationship and seeing if it did make sense for them at that time, asking questions accordingly, and then just educating on, hey, with your situation, what you've all told me, it actually may make sense for you to get into what your goal is sooner rather than later. And so let's try to piece it together and, and uh, see if the numbers work. And so it was kind of just like, hey, I want to make friends with you. If now is not the right time, let's stay in touch. If it is, I'll do the math, see if it makes sense, and we'll go from there. So if someone indicated interest, would you then go in and, and work the appointment right then? Or would you say, hey, let me write down your name and number. We'll schedule a time so you can keep on your, your track. Yeah, so um, a mix of both. I mean, there was times where I'd be having conversation with somebody on the door for 45 minutes, and we're getting into like how much debt they have, what their home is worth, what they could go buy, what their payment may be. But the goal is mainly to swing back around another day when you know, okay, here's some properties that they may be interested within their criteria, run the numbers accordingly on those and then say, hey, this is kind of what the situation and scenario would look like. Do any of these catch your eye and do you want to go see any of them in person? So now you immediately are earning a buyer that you're now going out and showing homes because you've had the preliminary conversation of, yeah, the numbers work in your situation. If these are homes that attract you, let's, let's go make it happen. And then you're pretty much off to the races. Love it. So how has things like the ring doorbell and these technology pieces, how, how has yeah. that influenced your process? The biggest thing is not looking like a salesperson, in my opinion, when you go knock a door. Because for me, when I see somebody on my ring, I'm like, they're holding a clipboard. They have a logo on their shirt. Like, I don't, I'm, I don't want to talk to this person. Or I'm just building this steel wall before I open the door of like, I'm going to reject this person. Obviously, I'm way more understanding because of my my career. But a lot of the times when it comes to a ring doorbell, I just look like this. I, I mean, I'm wearing a professional shirt, polo, but I don't have a flyer, clipboard, nothing with me because I just am there to truly build relationships and talk to people. And so a lot of people are like, they answer because they're like, what are you doing here? Like, what do you need? What do you want? And that's when I just can have that normal conversation. The ring is challenging because people do answer through the ring. And, and I usually just try to introduce myself and say, hey, I'll swing by another time when you're not home or have a brief conversation. But um, honestly, it hasn't really stopped me. I, and I don't think people should think it, it will because people are always going to want to know why you're there and, and try to talk to you. So. so you're at the front door. 
and someone answers, you're having a conversation because you don't have a clipboard or a pen or anything like that. Mm -hmm. How do you take notes? My phone. Yeah. Just have my phone in my pocket. I have a spreadsheet built out that I plug everything into from their contact information, name, notes of the conversation. And so between doors, I just pull it out, type in the info that I, I received while having the conversation. And then that's what I use to follow up with people. So when I go re-knock their door, I know their name because I can look at my phone. I know what the previous conversation was about so I can reference that. And it just is so much more professional when you can hit a door and be like, hey, last time I talked, we were talking about how your wife was pregnant and you were hoping to make a move once the baby came. How are things going? How was the birth? You know, So you just can connect so much easier when you one are in person and two have a really good system of, of keeping track of who and how you talk to people. So, so you have a, a faith, a background that leads you to the mission field, right? And led you to two years yeah. of door knocking. And yeah. so tell us about that. What was that like being in a new country uh, on mission? Yeah. So I am a member of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and um, a part of our faith is having the option to go on a mission. And so I was called, I didn't choose to go to Hungary in Europe and had the task of learning Hungarian and just talking to people to see how we can help them and uh, serve them pretty much. And so my um, role in Hungary was a super interesting role because there wasn't much for us to do in the sense of meeting with people other than just going out and talking to others. And so for pretty much eight hours a day, we would be on the streets or just knocking on doors, asking people if we could do anything, sharing a message with them of happiness and hope. And I got really accustomed to just pounding pavement and getting rejected super hard. Because one, I could not speak the language efficiently for a super long time and people didn't like that. And two, it's, I mean some people just aren't open to talking and it is what it is. And so I think I got a ton of thick skin from that experience for sure. So when people hire and train sales reps, like they get to experience how difficult it could be to sometimes help somebody become thick skin and yeah. face rejection. And yet, you know, the Mormon tradition, like they're producing lots of resilient salespeople other than <laughs> yeah. maybe the mission, right. Of saving people's souls. Let's say what is some things, some techniques, strategies that they use to get people comfortable with rejection? Um, man, I, I would think it's just the, the purpose behind why you're there. I think if you don't have a why that motivates you and, and gives you a reason to go through those experiences, you're never going to grow thick skin. You're going to want to give up and quit. And so I think the, the training behind it is just knowing that you have a purpose and having the support of people that are behind you to kind of motivate you and help you through those hard times and experiences. And, and so from a, like a personal standpoint, a really solid lifestyle is what also helps with rejection is just knowing that you are taking care of yourself and mentally are taking care of yourself so you can handle hard times. And that's why I'm 
I'm super grateful for that experience because it's helped me in business to be able to stay consistent with being healthy and having a solid routine throughout the day and being able to handle the hard times and rejections that come with sales and business. And so it's kind of just the life experience, to be honest, that kind of prepared me for what I do now. So, Okay. So forgive my ignorance on this one. So you're saying being healthy, being fit, that helps overcome objection. Like is the mental thought like, Hey, they're rejecting me, but I'm fit and I look awesome. So therefore <laughs> they're full of crap. Like what's kind no, of the, no, no. What, what's the mindset? Yeah, so, like, why, yeah. The mindset for me is just the mental toughness that comes from doing hard things. So for example, if you're waking up in the morning and just kind of chilling and not doing anything that pushes you or that is challenging, when you experience a a very tough situation where you're in under a ton of stress or dealing with somebody that is ruthless to you, it's going to be much more challenging to take that in and process that. But whereas if you're waking up and doing something hard, that's challenging yourself from the exercise standpoint, that helped me. Obviously that's not the key to it. That's just a, that's just helpful. But in reality, if you're just dealing with the rejection all the time, I think it just comes down to being mentally tough and doing things that challenge your mental toughness. And that's where those, those things play a role in my life is I like to challenge myself. That's why I do hard things because I know I'm going to experience hard things in business that I need to be able to handle professionally and, and overcome. So, so essentially if you ever feel like you're getting soft, do you find yourself then saying, what's something hard that I can do to, to keep myself hard? 100%. 100%. I, I just go full David Goggins and sign up for like a marathon or something. Like I, I, I truly believe that if you're not pushing yourself in all aspects of your life, you are going to get soft to the point where you're not reaching your full potential. And I, I mean, I get crap for this all the time, but I think that's one of the reasons for being on this planet is trying to reach your full potential and achieve what you're meant to achieve. And, and that's why doing hard things will result in incredible results. I think a lot of people try to stay away from the hard stuff and take the easy route. When in reality, if they just bit the bullet and went for it, they're going to have way much more, way more success immediately. So, so take us in, you're in Hungary. Mm -hmm. Take us into one of your worst days while you're there. Set the scene for us. How did you get through that day? Yeah. Um, so I would probably say it was my first couple of months in to being there. I landed in Hungary, I think in November, which was obviously around the holidays. I was missing my family and it was in a completely new environment with just, I mean, I didn't even know what was going on. I couldn't even read the food labels at a grocery store to be able to buy food, you know, like it was crazy, crazy experience. And the other aspect is it was just dark. I mean, the sun went down super early in the day. It was like winter. And so it was cold and just gloomy. It was, it was a bummer. And I was doing the activities that we were just recently talking about. We would go out and talk to people and knock doors and stuff like that. And I just couldn't communicate. So it was super challenging and to not hit fully on like the higher power aspect of the help that I feel like I received because I think that was a huge reason to why I stuck through it and was able to get through that situation. The 
other aspect of it is just being able to take in rejection and take in a hard situation and um, having like tactics and abilities to kind of cope slash calm yourself down. So having outlets in a sense that help you in tough times, whether that's reading or listening to like something that calms you down or, or things like that. I, I, these questions are so interesting because I've never really even thought about how I got through it. I just kind of did. And I, like I said, I, I give all, all respect to the higher power in my opinion, but, um, it, it more comes down to just like not giving up really. How are you? And, and let's say we, we put talking about the higher power back on the table here for a second, because obviously I'm getting a sense from you, like that's like 90% or more of, of what worked for you. For so sure. like to take us through, like, was it a, a perpetual focus on the outcome? Like, Hey, this eight hours is going to lead to someone going to heaven or was it like, like what was the actual thought processes that were going through your mind that, you know, kept you going on the tough days? Yeah. So I was never focused on the, the numerical outcome of my um, daily activities. Obviously we were there to have conversations and, and wanted to keep track of the people that we talked to but I fully agree with what you were saying that 99% probably is because of the higher power that I believe in. And so when I was having those conversations with people, it was more so just out of um, personal experience of wanting to share my life's experiences and the, and the joy that I feel from the lifestyle that I live with people because of how much it had blessed my life in the past. And so that's kind of the outcome that I cared about on a daily basis is just making sure that I personally went out and tried to help other people have a better day. If, if we were walking down the street and somebody needed help loading something into their car or just sharing a message with somebody that there's meaning to life and, and there's a plan for people and that, you can live your best life every single day, regardless of what's going on in your situation. And, and that's one of the reasons that I loved about being there is I could share, Hey, I'm, I'm thousands of miles away from my family, but, and this is brutal. I don't even know how to talk to you, but I'm still happy because I know I have a purpose in life. And so that's pretty much the main reason why I was there is because I knew how much the things I believe in have blessed my life that I wanted to share it with others. And if, if it resonated with them to help them learn more about it. So the people you were on mission with, did they share that exact, that exact thing? Did they struggle more or less than you or was it all kind of everybody was similar in that? I think there's a huge ass or huge relation of that where most people are there because of their experiences and how they live their life accordingly because it just makes them happier for for how they live and, and the joy that it brings to their life. Um, I think that's 100% probably the main reason people are out there. So you do this two-year mission, you come back, you get into real estate, 
Yep. And now you're knocking doors and you're walking four to six <laughs> hours. You used to knock eight. So this is already like yeah. part time. So walk Kate. us through that transition. Yeah. So I, uh, I personally was never even thinking about getting into real estate for a long time. I actually wanted to be a dentist and I hit college and was like, psych, hate college. What else can I do? And I still went, I still graduated and everything, but I realized that sales was much more my thing. I, I love communicating with people and truly just seeing if I could help their life. That's one of my huge passions is just being able to take what I know and see if I can help other people with, with it. And so I fell upon real estate because I was like, I want to be financially free and I want to invest in real estate because that's what's made most millionaires. And so I was like, real estate is, how do I make enough money to invest in real estate? I was like, why don't I just become a real estate agent? So I got licensed and it was horrible for like five months. I was making no money. I was cold calling and I hated it. And that's when I made the transition to door knocking and kind of <laughs> went back to my roots in a sense where um, it just kind of all clicked and I kind of just never looked back, to be honest. I, I was up against a wall where I needed to succeed. I was newly married. I I wanted, I had the passion and was just kind of going for it. And that's pretty much what helped me power through, I guess. So you mentioned earlier that you no longer need to door knock, which is a pretty cool thing to say that you built enough relationships yeah. in that year and a half that your business is now on a referral basis. Was it one of those things where once you hit a certain number, you're like, thank goodness, I don't have to knock another door or where do you, where do you sit in relationship to that? Yeah, totally. So I never really had the goal of, Hey, I want to stop door knocking or like I, I needed to hit a certain number to stop door knocking. It was more so I realized that there's other things that I'm more passionate about than selling a hundred homes a year, you know, cause I could have kept door knocking easily would have hit that like with my eyes closed, to be honest, because it's a numbers game. I could be the worst salesperson on the planet, but if you knock enough doors, you're going to sell that many homes. But for me, it was more, Hey, I'm financially at the point where I can count on business coming into my life where prospecting is now a if, not a need. And then I started to focus on other things where I wanted to get into things I was more passionate about and get into things that would increase my income and things that could kind of take me above and beyond what just a residential real estate agent can achieve in a sense. So as you've transitioned from residential to commercial, has that, how has your business strategy changed? Like, are you still knocking commercial doors now or have you taken a different <laughs> no. tack to it? Yeah, no. So I uh, have honestly just started to build relationships with investors of real estate. So people that want to buy real estate and it just so happens that commercial is just one of the really good vehicles that are out there to make people a ton of money. And so the thing that I think helped me a ton is I built a track record of doing really well in real estate where people saw that I had a good grasp on what I was doing and started to reach out. And so since then, I've kind of started to just build this clientele of people that want to buy rental properties or, or want to buy larger portfolios. And, and I was lucky enough to have connections to people that have a ton of 
money, honestly, that need to park it somewhere. And so I don't want to say it's luck because the harder you work, the luckier you get. But I fully contribute or I believe that I got blessed. I'm very blessed. I worked hard and I got blessed, but I think that's how I kind of fell into the commercial side of stuff. Yeah. And obviously once you go into commercial, as you start having success, the, the numbers can get really, really large. Yeah. So take us back to, you know, so in, in Hungary, it was, it was really about the mission that you were on and you were getting your internal strength from your relationship with, with God. And, and so then you go into real estate where the motivation is a bit different, right? The motivation is to be successful in business. Sure. Mm-hmm. How much carryover in your motivation was there? Was it like, oh, I got to find a new fuel source now or were you able to pull? Yeah. So, I mean, with my faith, I, I always believe that my entire life is because of my relationship with God. That's, that's what I'm here for. And he is the one that helps me achieve what I can achieve on a daily basis. And, and even more so my success, I give to God. I I wouldn't be anything without him. But when I got into a more business relationship, not necessarily as much of a faith side of things, it was more so a motivation from hitting my full potential than anything. I felt like on a daily basis, if I wasn't giving it my all and doing everything I could to succeed, one, I wasn't going to be able to provide for myself and my family, but two, I was letting myself down. And and that may be just a personality trait of myself, but I hate to be complacent. I, I go crazy if I'm just sitting there. And so I kind of was, I'm kind of just the type of person where if I'm not going all out, I'm not doing it right. And that was the main motivation was just surviving though in the beginning. And now it's changed to how big can I take this? How big can I go? And that's what gets me fired up every single day is, is now seeing the vision of how much potential life has and knowing that I can get it if I go after it. And so that's kind of the evolution of my motivation in a sense. Love it. And so obviously the success starts stacking, basic level of primary needs get met. And then Mm -hmm. these things can evolve as far as what your goals are and what you want to accomplish. So as your goals increase, what what sort of things do you want to accomplish in the next 10 to 20 years? I got some big goals. (laughs) I, uh, I mean, from a real estate career standpoint, I want to get to the point where my residential business continues to grow because I actively still sell residential. Um, I'm at the point where I can still pretty much service my own business with a showing assistant and a transaction coordinator. Um, Hopefully that just continues to grow with repeat clients and and stuff like that to the point where I'll always have that, but more so automate it. I'm not much of a team slash brokerage guy. That's not in my plans, but I uh, just want to continue to grow that. I want to really step into the commercial side of things and, and become an, a, known representative for people that are looking to invest in that type of stuff and just get into bigger and bigger deals. Um, from my investing side of things, pretty much just compound. I mean, I have a couple rentals myself right now, but I want to start stepping into larger opportunities such as commercial, bigger multifamily type stuff. And then from a business standpoint, I want to 
pretty much create a product for, or not even a product, more so a community for real estate agents that can learn what real estate school doesn't teach them because you get licensed as an agent and you come out and you're like a chicken with your head cut off. You're like, I don't even know what I'm doing. I learned what meets and bounds are, but I don't know what, how to get a client. And so that's my true passion is trying to help people like that have a roadmap and have all the tools necessary to succeed and grow that to as big as I can, because that's something I'm super passionate about. So love it. Once you have a billion dollars in the bank and a hundred lifetimes of cash flow, like what do you think your life will look like? Um, philanthropy, to be honest, I, I want to be able to, um, give back to people as much as I can. Um, I would love to go to different countries and serve other people. Um, that's, um, one of my, so my very first business I ever created, it was my business for real estate. It was the business name and everything. And I, I named it icon realty because one of my biggest whys or motivations in life is to be an icon, not necessarily from a like vain or puffed up type of word of icon, but more so just to be somebody that people look up to because they've done something that people want to be like. And so if I had a billion dollars in the bank and never had to worry about anything ever again, I just want to be somebody that is influencing the world and influencing the lives of other people from motivation, training, education, resources, and spending as much time as I can with my family, to be honest. That's, that's my goal. Love it. Well, Cameron, thank you so much for sharing about your life and your business. Guys, there's so much you could yeah. take away from the door knocking strategies to creating a million dollars of net in three years on only a year and a half of actual door knocking, which is really, really cool. So guys, write something down, share it with somebody you know so they can hold you accountable because freedom is acquired one action at a time. And if you take steps day by day before you know it, you'll be living a life of freedom. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next episode.